0: what's going to happen is we have this question and in a minute we're going to invite you to share a response to this if you have one your answer perhaps your experience and um if you share something and you don't mind us using what you shared in our public podcast just put a little note in the chat or even say it out loud yeah go ahead and use what i just said there because if we don't hear from you we will not include it in that public thing so the round table question for us to ponder here quickly is in light of the present circumstances in the world what do you do to keep a healthy and hopeful mindset now because i'm hosting i'm going to go first um i have some big ideas about this so i actually uh i wrote some things down so i don't preach a sermon uh the first thing i thought oh i lost it there we go the first thing i thought was present circumstances uh the previous circumstances were plenty (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, even pre-COVID, but unless, you know, by present circumstances, maybe it just means just being alive. And, and that's enough for me to need to have a healthy mindset. Um, for me, I found that living in the present moment has kept my mindset healthy. Um, my awareness about this initially came from Eckhart Toll, but I've since found it and read it all over the place. I found that I was either living in the past or a potential future or an alternate present. And that's where so much of my pain came from and my scattered mindset and my unhealthy mindset. And what I discovered was that uh, compulsive thinking was doing it for me. I was always thinking 24 seven and I was usually either regretting living in the past, I was worrying or hoping living in a potential future or I was wishing that things were different and I was living like in an alternate present. Um, but when I got a handle on my thinking and I was kind of able to stop, I was able to live right now. And that was amazing. And it allowed my mind to be at peace. Um, Anthony DeMello calls it making contact with reality. And he also says, uh, like he said, I discovered that the snakes at my feet were flowers and there weren't any snakes to be seen. I love that. So. That's been my experience um, and that's made all the difference. Anyone else have a response? Anyone else have something they want to say to this? You can either go ahead and raise your hand or you can just unmute and uh, start talking.
1: One of the things that i've found helpful for dealing with some of the circumstances and the scariness of what's going on right now is um, I've, I've found i've heard the the saying uh, it's around recycling, but it's um, think globally but act locally and i I want to stay informed i want to stay aware of what's going on in the world I want to know um, you know what's happening, but I realize that i don't have any control over any of those things, really, maybe I can send some money to the Ukraine, you know, there's really not much I can do about the convoy. There's not much I can do, uh, you know, about the pandemic globally. However, I can act locally. And that's, that's really been what's helped me a lot is thinking to myself, you know, me in my small corner, you know, that's all I can do. That's all I can do is just um, do what I can to make everybody's day as positive as I can, you know, locally at the people that I touch every day, um, while still being aware of what's going on globally, or, or nationally, or provincially. So that's what's helped me. Ah, Great.
2: Thanks, Laurie.
1: I know.
3: For me, uh, what has been helpful actually has been and it's similar to what you were saying, uh, Dad, but was Um, redefining hope because my present was not lining up with what I was told I was supposed to be feeling in the present moment. And so Mm -hmm. um, I would call myself a realist, but my mom has told me that that's something that pessimists say sometimes to make themselves feel better. Um, So I guess I lean towards the pessimist side, but I've got this idealism and this the 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 dream of like we can do better and that's why this sucks so much and so um i've really had to sit with and redefine hope it had a lot of christianese tied to it and like living in the present or not living in the present living in a future with without acknowledging how real and how hard the suffering of the present can be and so it's required sitting in the suffering of the present and hope is being um not this end goal that'll never be attainable but the movement towards something good it's the there is this happening right now and this is what i'm moving towards this is how hope looks like it's more of an action and like a a direction rather than an arriving point um if that all makes sense. so that's what i've been thinking of in relation to this.
0: Great, thanks Morgan. So we already have a bunch of totally different ideas. What what does
2: anyone else have something?
4: I've been finding um, something and I, I don't know how I landed here. I don't think I read it anywhere but I'm only allowing myself incremental Uh, bits of information, particularly news, because of our 24-7 news cycle, um, you can just be drowned by all the news, right? Um, So what I try to do is maybe go through the headlines and I pick one or two of the articles or the, um, you know, um, little clips and I tried to hear what the message is. And I know that predominantly the media uses fear to try to draw us in and get us all agitated. But um, what I'm trying to do is find underneath what is the response to the fear in this article. And what I noticed this week is, I saw two different um, videos. One was, and you might've seen this, three. Um, 80 plus year old uh, Ukrainian women who had um, stared down some of the Russian army. And uh, they had trash talk to these men. And um, it was hilarious. And they were giggling about it. And they thought it was so funny. And I just, I just took from that, the ability to be kind of Define, no matter what my age, no matter how much how much strength I have or don't have. Um, and I can just participate in that and kind of pray for all the chutzpah that all of these people need under this circumstance. And then I saw another one where a small village had defied um, the Russian army and um, had just done a stunning job. And I saw this... Um, willingness to rise up and not let fear cripple them but actually empower them and so I try to do some of those things just so that I'm not just stuck in what actually is happening but I'm seeing what's rising up in the people Um, and I find that somewhat helpful.
0: So I'm going to pass this off now to uh, John and Susie uh, for communion.
2: Good morning, Bridge family. Hi, everyone. We'll be leading communion
5: this morning. John and Susie Jenkinson here. And uh, good good Q&R. It's a very good good topic. Um, It kind of fits with the the communion liturgy that we want to use today, which was written by uh, Michelle Corrigan, and it's called uh, a communion liturgy for Lent. And as we're coming to the end of the season of Lent, it kind of fits uh well with just even it was what we're talking about. Of, as Lent is that time where we're I think I've grown a newer and better awareness and appreciation of Lent just recently thinking about it and understanding how uh it's meant to connect us with the suffering and the and the time in the in the wilderness that Jesus the journey, the journey in the wilderness that he went through. And the journey that we all will go through. I like what you said, Josh, as the experience of being alive, going to, going to experience wilderness times, times of struggle, times of uh, trial, times of suffering. And not only does Christ say that he will not forsake us, but he says he'll, he'll walk with us in those times. And so let's uh, hope you've gathered your elements. Join us with communion. This is the invitation. God is with you. And God is with us all. Open wide your hearts. We open them completely to the spirit of God. May God's love. Nurture your wandering spirits each day. And may God's light sustain your souls.
6: Each night. Prayer of communion. This is a season of wilderness. The season we grasp to understand the divine just a little more. This is the time for us to reach inwards to find the self that God sees. This is the chance for us to gaze outwards, caring for the Christ in our midst. The Lenten roads are long, yet full of gifts. The Lenten paths often seem chilly, yet warm with the winds of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the light that leads us in the hushed nights. The Christ is our companion on the journey in the intense sunlight of day. We remember his
2: time in the wilderness, the struggles, the hunger, the peace. And as we seek the divine in our midst on this journey, we crave the bread of life.
5: On our desert roads, we thirst for the fruit of the vine, the cup of blessings. And through Christ's story, we remember the night before his arrest. It was a night of serenity, solemnity, and love. Jesus took in his hands the bread from the table,
2: broke it, and blessed it. Eat in remembrance of me, he said. So go ahead and take the bread. And after supper, as the night grew long,
6: Jesus took a cup and filled it with the fruit of the vine. As he blessed it, he spoke aloud to them. Take and
2: drink and always remember me. May the Spirit, who traveled with Christ in the wilderness
6: and fills us with the hope of God, surround these elements. May the Spirit speak to us in this season of wilderness, becoming our
2: strength on this journey and filling our lives with love. Prayer, divine light of our journey. In the spirit of gratitude, we
5: give thanks for this time at your Holy meal. This time at the table fills us with strength, knowing that as we continue on this Lenten journey, we will find your peace surrounding us. And I also want to just pray for Lori, uh, who's going to be
2: reading the message.
5: So God, thank you for Lori, for the words that you placed in her hearts for us, and you just ask your Holy Spirit to be upon her. That you would uh, have, that we would have open ears, God, and open hearts,
2: and that you would do your work teaching us, Lord. Thanks, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Button. There I am. There I am. Looking for my unmute
1: button. Good morning everybody. I'm very happy to be throwing my voice into the mix this morning um, and sharing some thoughts with you and I'm really hopeful that something I have to say resonates for you this morning. But first off, I want to start by sharing a little bit about myself because I'm part of the zoom bridge community and uh, you don't know me so I want to tell you a little bit about myself. My husband, John, and I have been guests on the traditional territory of Nekazliwutun in the community of Fort St. James since 1995. Uh, We live in a very beautiful and an interesting and might I add affordable part of the province. Both John and I originally are from central Alberta. We arrived here with our two year old son to work for five years. That was 27 years ago. After five years, we had two more children, we had good jobs and we built a house and going back to Alberta just didn't happen. So we have three children. We have three bonus children, our children's partners, and we have a lovely little granddaughter. I was originally educated as a nurse, um, but now I'm an RN who's masquerading as a social worker. And I work at a First Nations agency that serves the native communities in Fort St. James and the surrounding area. As a child, I attended a large united church with my mom. My father had a strong dislike for organized religion, therefore didn't come with us. However, both of my parents had a very definite faith in God, which has become more apparent to me the older I get. But they were very quiet about it, rarely saying anything, but they always lived out their faith. I was very fortunate. I grew up in a warm and quite healthy home. Despite having a faith in God, my family had a strong dislike for the term born again. Some of you remember I've been born again and I found them. You can find them too. Bumper stickers from back in the 1970s. In my house, born again, people were weird and not to be trusted. So you can imagine my family's dismay when at 16 I announced that I had been born again. Yeah, there were some interesting conversations after that. I had a spiritually transformative experience at that age that permanently altered me and changed the trajectory of my life significantly. It was the beginning of a very traumatic and troubled time. If I speak about my experiences from that period, I need to add a trigger warning and make sure there were counselors standing by, so maybe another day. I have dipped and dived in and out of many denominations over the years, and I'm grateful for this, as it's given me a broad perspective of Christian traditions. I must confess, though, that the current bridge theme, Jesus at the Center, immediately struck me as quite a challenge. You see, like many of you, I'm in the process of rethinking, expanding, and reorganizing my thoughts around faith. Right now, I'm sorting out my relationship to Jesus, so I was a bit nervous, thinking, Can i say anything coherent at this point along that theme then i remembered this is the bridge all stages of development and ideas are welcome here so i released myself from having to have the answer and i trusted that i'd be guided to say something understandable since i was 16 i've always had a closer relationship with jesus at that time god's profound love was revealed to me in such a way as to be undeniable but lately, in the light of new information and perspectives, I've found my relationship with Jesus similar to how I feel about John when he shaves his beard off, times 100. Um, he's still John, but he looks so different. Except in this situation, Jesus hasn't changed. I have. And I need to take some time to absorb, digest, and let my mind be renewed around Jesus. What I do know about Jesus is when I read about him, when I see him, I see God. When I look at the life of Jesus, I see a clear example of the image, heart, and intention of God. When I look at Jesus, I see love. Jesus included everyone. He loved through his acts of kindness. He tenderly reached out and loved to people who were suffering. I also see compassion in his life. He had constant compassion for the marginalized, compassion for those in need, and compassion for the grieving. When we see love and compassion in the life of Jesus, then we can be sure that is exactly what God is like. Full of love and compassion. Included in the scriptures for this week are some of my favorite verses from the New Testament in 1 John. I'm going to read that for you. My favorite verses for you guys now. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God, knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this way, God's love was revealed among us. God sent God's only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this, in love, in this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent God's own Son to be the means of forgiveness for our sins. Beloved, if God loves us thus, we ought also to love one another. God no one has seen, yet if we love one another, God lives in us, and God's love is made complete in us. To be completely honest, I have felt a significantly increased challenge to love others in the past few years. Maybe some of you can relate to this. I have felt deeply infuriated by the actions of individuals that I see as being self-centered and unloving. I've had to stifle the urge to yell bad words at people on TV and social media, and sometimes with varying degrees of success, as John can attest. At times, I'm filled with disgust and what really borders on hatred for, those, for these other individuals and their, as I perceive it, misguided beliefs. Currently, I'm having a hard time not seeing Vladimir Putin as pure evil. When I get to the point where I feel the vitriol building up, I have to take myself in hand, And talk myself back off the edge. I have to remind myself that every person in this world is God's child and bears God's image. I try to remember that to have God's love made complete in me, I need to choose love for others, despite how different their beliefs or actions are from what I believe to be correct. To be clear, to choose love for others doesn't mean we have to agree with them or invite them into our life. It just means that we need to endeavor to see them as God sees them and to know that we are connected to them and together we are deeply connected to God. In my younger years, I had some pretty wingnut Christian-like ideas that I was very committed to. I walked a tightrope of legalistic righteousness and I managed to maintain my footing in that lifestyle for several years. I felt God's love blessing and guidance routinely during that time, and my perception was that it was my correct expression of my correct beliefs that brought the power of God into my life. Well, as can be expected in these situations, my ability to maintain a grip on my dogmatic ways came crashing down. My suppressed doubts and instincts came exploding out, and eventually I found myself in a bush camp in the Yukon, burning garbage in a 50-gallon drum can happen. I stood there in dirty coveralls feeling miles away in every sense from the person I thought I was. This is going to sound trite, but just that moment, sun broke through the clouds above my head. A warm beam of sunlight hit me and with it an all-encompassing sense of God's love for me. I was it was so tangible that I spoke out loud. God, why are you letting me know you love me right now? I'm burning garbage. The warm, kind reply I sensed was, you need to know, my love for you requires nothing from you. I don't require performance. That event, many others like it, and years of observation have taught me that our right beliefs have nothing to do with God's love for us. We can be absolutely, sincerely wrong, and God will still be right there with us. God doesn't struggle to love any of us because God is pure love. January 25th, 2020, just before we were plunged into the pandemic, my mom passed away. With work, coping with COVID, huge life transitions, not being near her when she died and no funeral. I never really grieved the loss of her. I just plodded forward, dragging along the sadness and regret around her passing with me. Fast forward to January 25th, 2022, I had booked my staff members and myself into a grief and loss workshop. I thought it would be, this is how you help people who are struggling with grief and loss situation. I wasn't thinking about my own needs. I had stuffed those. When I arrived at the workshop that day, I discovered it was about dealing with your own personal grief and loss. I had forgotten the exact date of my mom, that my mom had died. It hadn't been in my mind at all when I booked the spaces in the training. The first day I was sitting in the workshop, I texted my sister to ask her the date of my mom's death. And she texted back, mom passed away two years ago today. And there I was sitting at a grief and loss workshop. At that moment, I realized that God had made an appointment for me to deal with my grief. I had minimized my loss and had been oblivious to how to help myself or that I even needed help. But God hadn't forgotten. He had I had been remembered. Being able to speak about my loss and my feelings around losing my mom during the three days in the workshop made me feel so heard by God. Being remembered by God made me feel so loved. The other participants in the workshop were First Nations people from the area. Living and working with First Nations individuals exclusively for the past 13 years has been one of the most humbling and jarring experiences of my life. I didn't know people could live with the levels of grief and loss and pain that Indigenous people do. Many don't survive Don't survive it. Early death by suicide, overdose, and violence are distressingly common. All of this is the legacy of colonization and genocide. I regularly, regularly hear about that pain firsthand from First Nations people with whom I've been fortunate enough to interact. One of the individuals in the grief and loss training had lost their child in a tragic way four months earlier. The death of their child was just one of many heartbreaking events this person had endured in their life. This was a person of sorrow acquainted with grief and the very image of God. They shared something I will never forget. They said, you know, grief is part of everyone's life. We all have grief. I have had so much grief. I think that the best thing to do is to make friends with grief because it isn't going away. I'll tell you, the wisdom and strength of that statement staggered me. Make friends with grief. I wish I had asked them to elaborate more. I think they meant we need to embrace all that grief has to teach us. Maybe we need to not be so afraid of grief. If it comes to our door, acknowledge its presence, sit down with it, and listen to the wisdom it has to offer. Today's Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a colt. While everyone around him were joyfully shouting his praises, Jesus wept. The account of this in the book of Luke says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. The dear people around Jesus at that time didn't know the horrible things that were coming because they did not recognize that God, through Jesus, was visiting them. They had missed his message. Jesus's message was that love and compassion are the way to peace. Love and compassion builds relationships and soothes grief in remarkable ways. The creator wants to build a kingdom of love and compassion inside inside each of us. If a kingdom of love and compassion starts inside us, it will naturally move outward to everyone around, even if we don't agree with them. And that's what brings peace. It seems in the last few years that grief have been, has been our constant companion and we continue to be bombarded by sad situations in this world. The sorrow and loss of the pandemic, the environmental crisis, our anguish over the war in Ukraine, the opioid crisis, on and on. Strife and sadness seem to be everywhere. We are badly in need of peace on every level. Just like the people on the day of Jesus' triumphal entry, we don't know what lies ahead. We are facing many unknowns right now. However, it isn't too late for us. The way of peace isn't hidden from our eyes. We can understand the way of peace. We can be aware that God is as near to us as the breath we breathe, and that God is our constant visitor. We can choose to nurture the kingdom of love and compassion inside each of us and choose to show ourselves and others that love and compassion. When I have experienced suffering and grief in my life, the most helpful thing has been having someone show they care. Grief is a teacher and it can be a motivator. It shows us how strong we are and sometimes forces us to make decisions. It is often the catalyst for great change and it can draw us to reach out to God. Being able to talk out the grief we are feeling with someone can help bring meaning to it. Feeling loved and not alone during our grief is a huge tonic. I really think this is the work God wants us to do. I think showing love and compassion to ourselves and to each other is what really matters. Jesus certainly showed us that. We each have to work out what showing love and compassion to ourselves and each other looks like as the situations arrive. It might be letting ourselves sleep that extra hour on Saturday morning. It may be booking that Airbnb suite in the Ukraine that you'll never use. Maybe it's showing up at someone's door with a casserole four months after a profound loss in their life. It could be as simple as listening. It's often as simple as listening. There's really nothing profound or new in what I'm saying this morning. I realize most of you have been ruminating on similar thoughts and feelings like just like I have. I really wanted to remind us all that we are deeply loved and thoroughly accepted by God, no performance required. That God inhabits every fiber of our beings and that God is deeply enmeshed in our grief and the grief of others. No matter what we are experiencing, we can rest in knowing we are surrounded and possessed by the all encompassing love and compassion of God. Thank you. I'm going to end this morning or this message time by just praying for us. God, as much as we are able, let us rest in your profound and unfiltered love. Help us to love ourselves help us to choose
4: to love others. Amen. I'm going to join in now and open things up for roundtable. But first, I have a couple comments. Thank you, Lori, first of all. Um, Extremely timely for me. I had uh, an eerily similar <laughs> um, thing happened to me yesterday, as you had with your mom and the anniversary mm-hmm. of her passing. My mom only passed a few months after yours, mm-hmm. and uh, and just as the pandemic was started, so we were not able to do a funeral for her either. Um, but we did a graveside. So she she passed away April third, and um, I I had my dad over and and then yesterday um i drove with my dad and Brad out to Langley for my aunt's birthday um this was my mom's sister-in-law and um we were there for the funeral and you know you feel the it was a very sudden passing and you feel like just all the the new grief that rises up and um as we got into the car afterwards um, I said to dad what's the date today and he says well I don't know what the date is exactly but today's two years since mom's funeral or graveside <laughs> and I was like oh my goodness like there was things I was feeling in this funeral that were directly connected to my mom and the loss of not being able to have a funeral for her and all those things and um, and I too, I, I felt like it was a bit of a God set that, um, you know, he would take me to some places that needed to be addressed for me in that, um, scenario. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you were talking about, um, I think in your, um, In your strong emotions and hatred for or potential hatred for people that you know you find yourself kind of coming to the edge and i immediately had the picture um you know the old school picture from sunday school where um jesus is hanging off the side of a cliff to reach the lamb the sheep that's gone over the edge and i thought yeah but even if we go over the edge that's not the end of the story. That's not Definitely. the end of us. That's not the end of the connection. And um, and I love how you brought that in um, into your talk too. Laurie and I were chatting the other day and uh, she mentioned something. It was a great image. And I think I'm going to get you to share it now, Laurie. the one about the boat and the buoy, okay. Because I think that we can kind of close out with that because that's what we're talking about in essence.
1: Exactly, yeah. No, I, my, my little group that meets my home, is, and my husband heard me use, say this many times, but um, through my de- deconstruction um, journey, um, where I'm at now with God right now is um, the image I have is, is one of, we live, we live by Stewart Lake, which is a huge freshwater lake up here. It's beautiful. Many people have boats. And people that have boats and they live on the lake, they have buoys and the buoys are anchored to the bottom of the, the lake and the boat, they, they tie it to the buoy and the, then the boat just floats around the buoy, you know, just as the, the waves and the wind you move it and it's perfectly safe, you know, moving around that buoy. And that's me right now. I'm, I'm that person. I'm the, the buoy and the anchor for me is God. And right now, my my thoughts and my feelings around faith are 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 moving around, you know, just like that boat in the wind. And probably I will be doing that for the rest of my life. But I always know that I'm anchored. I'm anchored in that in God, and so then I'm. I'm there, there's a safety in that exploration, right?
4: You know. I Hope that's clear. Was that clear enough, Ian? Yeah, that's excellent. I think that's great imagery. It's it's um you know for some of us who words are difficult but a picture kind of encapsulates things um i think that's that's just a fantastic picture of flexibility but still always uh not just you know floating here or there right mm-hmm. yeah